Bibles this morning and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We'll begin reading in verse 13, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the reading of your word. We ask now that you give enablement to bring the message. and Help us to know, Lord, that we have a very special treasure in the word of God. And I pray that we as God's people will be people of the book, and that we will use it for your glory. Give enablement to bring the message. And we thank you, Lord, for Gideon's and uh, the presentation of their work today. And help us to realize, Lord, that the Gideons are involved in spreading the word of God. And I pray that in that sense, all of us would be Gideons, that we also spread the word of God. Where we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Behind the scene in Ephesus, the devil was deceiving people and causing them to believe a lie. The religious lie was that the goddess Diana was to be worshipped. They were told that an image of Diana had fallen to the earth from Jupiter. We're told in Acts chapter 19, verse 35. And this was used, this lie was used to encourage them to worship uh, Diana. In Acts chapter 19, we're told of how prominent this belief was and that Paul's preaching of the gospel really stirred these people up and uh, made them angry at Paul for what he was saying. Turn with me in the book of Acts, and we'll read a portion of that, beginning in verse 24. Acts 19, verse 24. And a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen, whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation, and said, Sirs, Ye know by by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, ye see and hear that not alone in Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul hath hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying that there be no gods which are made with hands. So that not only this, our craft is in danger, to be set at naught, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised, and her magnificence should be destroyed." whom all of Asia and the world worshipeth. And when they heard these things, they were full of wrath, and they called out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And the whole city was filled with confusion, and having caught Gaius and Articus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel, they rushed unto, with one accord unto the theater. And when Paul would have entered in into that temple, the disciples suffered him not." So the city was in an uproar because Paul had preached against idolatry. And these people made these silver images that people used to worship uh, Diana, and therefore 
uh, it caused a real problem there. Now, they were believing a lie. According to Acts chapter 20, verse 31, Paul spent almost three years in Ephesus teaching and preaching the Word of God. The Bible tells in chapter 19, verse 17, that the name of Jesus was magnified, and it was so magnified that they had a book burning. And this book burning involved books of curious arts, or some believe that means magical spells. So they were involved in witchcraft and those kind of things. And these people who got saved gave up their books and brought them and burnt them. And the Bible tells us that the monetary value of all those books was 50,000 pieces of silver. Now that is a lot of money. Someone has reckoned that that's over 160-some years, I believe, of labor. (laughs) And so it was just a, a lot of money. And so that shows how popular this was that uh, people were worshiping Diana. But the gospel upset that very much. Now, the Bible tells in Ephesians that uh, those people who trusted the Lord as their Savior, it tells us of what they were before they got saved. It's the same thing we were before we got saved. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world. That's the Ephesians. They were following Diana. According to the prince of the power of the air, that means behind Diana, the goddess, was the devil himself. And the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. So the Ephesians had a dark background. They were dead in trespasses and sin. They were following the devil, but the same is true of us, and the same is true today. The Ephesians are not alone, because all of us, at one time, before we trusted Jesus as our Savior, we were deceived by the same devil that deceived the the people in Ephesus. And that is, we were deceived by the devil, who is, by the way, a liar. Now, I don't know that the devil's come in here today or not. He has a lot to do, so he's probably not concentrated on our church today. But if he has, uh, I want to tell him something, and that is he is a liar. The devil is a liar. And I back that up by the Scriptures because God, God says in John 8, verse 44, there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So when you start peddling lies, you really are working for the devil because he is a liar and he's the father of it. Therefore, when Paul tells us about the armor of God, what he's telling us in this passage is that we need the armor of God because we're fighting an enemy just like the Ephesians were. Look at it in in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We are in the same battle. We wrestle against the same thing. We wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle against the rulers of the darkness of this world. We wrestle against Satan, and therefore we need the spiritual armor that he speaks of in Ephesians chapter 6. Therefore, when Paul tells us about the armor... We need to understand that this is armor that we need because we face the same battle that they did. 
When we face the enemy who deals in lies, we must be sure that we deal in the truth. Now, I want to mention this morning, before we get into talking about the sword of the Lord, which is the Word of God, I want to mention that there's at least three areas, and I know there's more, but let's concentrate on three areas whereby we are being told lies today. Lies are coming to us from these three areas. First area is the political area today. In the United States of America, in the political area, we're receiving lies. Now, let me tell you some of these lies. One of the lies is that the government is our savior. You know, that's really the way government is presented today, is that the government is our savior. The government can take care of our problems. The government can meet our needs. If we just give them the power and give them the money, they will take care of us. Well, the government is not our savior, and isn't it interesting As they want to take care of us, they want to take away our guns, our right to bear arms, so that we can't fight against them. I heard the other day, it was uh, some time ago, Governor Cuomo made the the statement that we don't need guns uh, that can shoot 10 rounds because it doesn't take 10 rounds to kill a deer. I remind you, the, the Second Amendment was not for deer hunting. The Second Amendment was protection. And what was it protection from? It was protection from the government. They came from a repressive government, and they knew that there was the possibility with men that the government could become repressive again, and so we needed to protect ourselves, and that's what the Second Amendment is all about. So that's a, that's a lie sent, sent by the government that they can take care of us, that they are our Savior. Also a lie from the government is that they are a provider. It's getting to the place where, you know, the government can provide for you everything. And uh, from the womb to the tomb, they can take care of you. Well, that's a lie. It's not supposed to be that way. But they're doing that. They, they provide food. And I'm not against people getting help when they need it. But you know, there's a lot of food available for people, so they won't have to work. And so uh, that's true. Uh, Health care. They're saying that's a right and that the government should supply that. That's a lie. Job security, uh, that's a lie. Uh, just setting the minimum wage so that everybody can make a decent living. Well, that's not a decent living for one thing, but uh, the government's not supposed to be involved in that. So that's a lie about the government being our provider. The government is not our provider. Also, it got, it's gotten to the place where they want to provide us relief from our bills. You know, the, the student loans. They want it so that the government pays it off. What about all the people that have paid their student loans off the right way, but now they want the government to do it? All of that is a lie. It's a lie. It's not supposed to be that way. And it's not going to work. It's going to end up wrong because you can take all this money and then before long you run run out of other people's money to give all these people these programs. So it's a lie. And who's behind it? The devil's behind it. But then there's the lie of the, of the government is our educator. The government shouldn't be our educator. One of the best things they could do is to abolish forever the, uh, the Department of, of Education in the, in the government. It doesn't need to be there. The federal government no, doesn't need to be involved in education. But they are, and that all, all is a lie. It, it's, they, they pay for education, they say, and yet... If you go to public schools, you have to pay all these fees to do all these things, and yet the taxpayer is supposed to be paying for it. Now the president is wanting us to add some more years to that 
so the government can pay for some more. And they even want to give free college so that uh, everybody will be able to have a college education because it's your right to be able to do that. All that costs money, and it's taxpayers' money. And what they're wanting to do is to indoctrinate people. They already have them for kindergarten through 12. And they want to go back even earlier so they can indoctrinate them earlier. And then they want two years of college to indoctrinate them even more. And you know whose hand the college is in. It's in the hand of the devil. And he's using that as an indoctrination place. And so they want to indoctrinate. These are all political lies. And we must not fall for them. Also in this day, there's religious lies. And that is... Satan masquerades as an angel of light, so his ministers appear as ministers of righteousness. The Bible tells us that in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It's prevalent today that people say that there's many ways to heaven, and even many of the mainline denominations are falling along, along with that. And they're saying many ways to heaven, you just need to be sincere and you need to be good in order to get to heaven. Yet the Bible says there's only one way to heaven. And the Bible says you will not work your way to heaven. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And Galatians tells us, Galatians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. And it says this, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so I I say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have received, let him be accursed. God says there's one way to heaven, only one way. It's not the Baptist way, it's Jesus' way. And he's the way to heaven. But we're told lies about that and from the religious realm. And then there's the moral realm from which we're getting these lies told to us. It used to be, I know when I was growing up, that marriage was only between a man and a woman. It wasn't even considered anything else. It used to be when I was growing up at least, and uh, because I'm still young, it's not too long ago, (laughs) but uh, sex outside of marriage was wrong. I mean, it still happened. People still did that. They committed the sin, but they knew it was wrong. Also, back when I was growing up, adultery was always wrong. I mean, it, uh, they didn't justify it. It was wrong. Homosexuality was wrong. And they used words for that that, that uh, knew, everybody knew that was wrong. You might do that, but it's wrong. The gender confusion was called a mental disorder. But today, that's all changed. It's not changed what it truly is, but it changed what they call it. And that is, they say today that fornication is encouraged and it's even accepted because all young people do that. And that's okay. You're just learning, you know, and all that. The Bible says there's never an exception. It is always sin. It doesn't matter how so-called progressive we get. You can't get away from that. The Bible still says it's sin and it is sin. Adultery today is understood. Oh, you know, I understand why they did No, it's not understandable. It's wrong. It's always wrong. A homosexuality today is not only accepted, it's celebrated. And then the transgender movement today is pushed on society 
with no regard whatsoever about the harm that it's doing to our society. And it is. And the suicide rate amongst transgender people is very high. I read it was in the 40%. I mean, it's, it's very bad. And it's always been bad, but today it's, it's pretended like that it's okay. Back when President Obama was, was president, when uh, uh, Bruce Jenner became Caitlyn Jenner, he called him and congratulated him for his courage. I mean, how sick can you get? Why is that? It's because we're told lies. Ephesians were told lies about the goddess Diana. We're being told lies about so many things today, and we need to understand that behind all these lies is a person by the name of Satan or the devil who hates God, and he is against everything that God does. He's against any order that God has set up. He's against if God ordained marriage, which he did, he's against that. If God ordained uh, anything else, he's against, he's against everything that God ordained, and he tells lies about it, and we need to understand that. He is out to destroy, and he's out to, dest- to destroy everyone, everyone and everything that God has set up. The, the devil is a destroyer. He's the prince of the power of the air today, and he's telling his lies, and so many people are believing it. Now, how are we as, con- as Christians to confront these lies? The lies that I've mentioned and then many others. How are we confront those lies? And in the religious realm, one of the lies is, is that the word of God is no longer dependable. And it's outdated. And uh, we don't need it. And it would not be unusual at all in some, in some Protestant denomination churches today, you could go to a service and never hear the word of God. Never hear it. I remember back when uh, it's been uh, probably 30 years or more ago, a man came to our church, and he was an elder in a certain denomination. He and his wife came, and they sat under the sound of the gospel, and they came and trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And he told me, he said, I was an elder. And he said, I had never heard the gospel as you presented it. I had never heard that you need, I was always told, just be good. That's 30 years ago. It's even worse today. There are lies being told. And how are we to confront those lies? Well, the Bible tells in Ephesians chapter 6 how we're to confront them. First of all, he says, stand. Notice what it says in Ephesians chapter 6. Let me turn back there. Verse 13. And he says, stand. Wherefore, take and do the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore. So he begins by standing. As I said earlier, this is not a time to run. This is a time to stand. And we're to stand and with, with the Lord and trust him and serve him and don't give up and don't retreat. Stand your ground for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to stand. And then we're to put on God's armor. The armor that he mentions are various pieces we'll, we'll mention briefly today. First of all, the girdle of truth. The girdle of truth. The soldiers back in those days had a leather girdle with six inches or more around, the, their, around this section of, of them. And they, on that girdle, they would hang their sword. And that was a girdle that kept everything together. And the Bible says that we're to have the girdle of truth. That means we're to have an attitude of truth about everything. We're to be governed by the word of God, which is truth. 
And that is we are to, we are to be governed by truth. We don't want to know what the world has to say. We want to know what God has to say. And we're girt about with truth. We live by truth. Also, he says, we have the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate was that that protected the vital organs. It was sometimes called the coat of mail. And uh, like Goliath, he had all this coat of mail on him. And his, just the, coat, the breastplate that he wore, I think it weighed about 160 pounds. He was a big man. But what did it do? It protected the organs. And the Bible says we're to have the breastplate of righteousness. That means we're to be protected by doing right. Oh, we're always to be doing right. Uh, as old Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said years ago, do right till the stars fall. Do right. So you're just to, your daily life is to be about doing what's right. You determine what's the right thing to do and do what is right. And so when you do what is right, you'll not be so prone to fall for what is wrong. It's those who are not doing right that, are, that are become easy prey to the, to the wrong. But if you're doing right, your loins are girded about with truth and your breastplate of righteousness, doing the right thing, living right. Titus chapter 2 verse 12 says, live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Also, he says, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The feet, that's you're going, you're moving, you're going in a direction, and you're progressing. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Preparation, that means you're always ready with the gospel of peace. What does that mean? That means the gospel. You know the gospel. And everybody who's saved knows the gospel. In fact, it's impossible that you can be saved and not know what the gospel is. Some people say, well, I can't, you know, I can't share the gospel. I, I don't know what to say. What do you mean you don't know what to say? If you've been saved for 20 years, you've been believing the same thing every day, 365 days a year for 20 years, and you're trusting that. What do you mean you don't know what the gospel is? Every Christian knows what the gospel is because that's what they have to believe to be saved, become a Christian. You know that Jesus died for our sins according to Scripture, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to Scripture. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he did that for us. He took our sin upon himself. You know the gospel, and the Lord says, as a Christian, we need to share the gospel, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And then he says, you have the shield of faith wherewith you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The shield of faith means, I believe God. They throw at you evolution. Uh-uh, I believe God. I believe God created the, the heavens and the earth and all that in them is in six literal days. God tells me that in Genesis. God tells me that in Exodus. I believe that. That's the shield of faith. We can stop the, quench, the fiery darts of the wicked. I believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. It was ordained by God. I believe that so we can stop those lies. I believe that immorality is wrong. I believe that. And so we can stop those lies of, of the devil. We, we can quench his fiery darts, the shield of faith. We believe God. Also, the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is your helmet protects your brain. The Satan's interested in getting at your brain. <laughs> He's interested in affecting your mind. And you need to know for sure that you're saved. The helmet of salvation. You need to know for sure that you're saved. Well, we look at all these and we realize that all of these that we've mentioned are defensive protection. They're defensive protection. And, you know, the shield stops, stops the, the darts. 
the, the girdle of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Those are, those are all defensive things. But we have one offensive weapon. One offensive weapon. And that is the sword of the Spirit or the sword of, of the Lord, which is the Word of God. And that's what our brother today has been talking about with Gideons. They're involved in what? Doing, doing what? And that is getting the Word of God out to people. The Word of God is what we need. If you're going to fight the spiritual battle today and fight against the lies, you don't need to understand everything about what people are thinking. You don't need to understand about all the logic that they use to come up with this. You don't need to understand about all the philosophers of the past or all the so-called great minds of today. You don't need to understand that. All you need to know is the Word of God says, and the Word of God is your sword. It's your instrument of warfare. It's the only offensive weapon that you have is the sword of the Lord, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I'm going to talk to you just for a few minutes about that word, about that sword, the sword of the Lord. The sword of the Lord is a warning sword, a warning sword. That means it warns. If I had a sword this morning and I would hold it up to you and you thought that I was uh, upset with you, that would be a warning. You know, you stay back, <laughs> stay back. And uh, you, you would, it would just be a warning and so the sword is a warning. It warns people about the reaping of, of sin. The Bible says, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. That's a warning. Where does that warning come from? It comes from the Word of God. And the Bible, you can take the Bible and warn a person who's going down a certain path, and you can say, look, the Word of God says, the sword of the Lord says, if you sow, you're going to reap. And so the Lord tells us that. He also tells us about the ultimate result of sin, and that is the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. James tells us that uh, death is going to come. When sin comes, death is going to come. It's inevitable that it leads to death, and that death is not just physical death, but separation from God. So the ultimate result of sin is separation from God. Where do you find that? In some philosophy book? Some college textbook? No, you find it in the Word of God. And we shouldn't be ashamed of that, that we find this in the Word of God. We know it's true that the, 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 the Word of God is a warning sword, and it warns us there's, there's results when you sin. There will be reaping, and there will be the ultimate result, which is death, separation from God. It also warns us of what follows that, and that is retribution for sin. And that is condemnation or judgment. Where do you find that out? Where do you find that? Do you go to a college and go through their library and look up a book on death and find out this? No, you don't, you don't find it there. You find it in the Word of God. And the Word of God tells you that if you sin and if you go down that path, and all are sinners, and, but if you go down that path and you never trust Jesus, the result is going to be retribution, it's going to be judgment, it's going to be condemnation. The Bible says in John 3.18, He that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Hebrews chapter 9 says, As it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. Revelation 20, verse 15, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, that's a warning. And God says, 
it's going to come, and that is you're going, if you continue down the path and reject Jesus, you're going to go to hell. And people need to understand that. And you who know the Word of God, who handle the Word of God, tell people the Word of God, you can tell them on authority of the Word of God, look, I love you, but I must tell you this. Sin is going to lead to eternal judgment. And if your name's not in the book of life, which happens when you trust Jesus as your Savior, you're going to be going to the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. It's a warning sword. It's also a wounding sword. The sword of the Lord is a wounding sword. It wounds pride and self. Sometimes people get to feeling they're pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. And the Bible says no. The Bible says in Isaiah 64, verse 6, all of our righteousnesses, the good things we do, are as filthy rags in his sight. The Bible says in Acts chapter 7, verse 54, Stephen was preaching a sermon. And guess who was in the audience in that sermon? The elders and the priests and the scribes. The Sanhedrin was there. That was the, that was the big group of the Jews. Big religious group. They were there. And it says that, that uh, Stephen in his message got to the place where he said, you stiff-necked people, you resist the Holy Ghost, and the Bible says that they were cut to the heart. The Word of God is a wounding sword, and it will cut to the heart. And it will make you realize that you are a sinner, a sinner, and you have no reason to be proud. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. So it wounds your pride. It also wounds your confidence in false religion. You remember Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, he was talking to the scribes, and he says, you hypocrites. He said, you're like whited sepulchers. You whitewash the outside, but inside it's full of dead men's bones. And he exposed them for what they are. And just being dressed up in your, in your religious garb and all that doesn't make you right. The Lord says, if you're hiding behind religion, you're thinking religion's going to get you to heaven, the Lord says to the, those religious leaders, you are like whited sepulchers. And if you lead the people that you're leading to follow you, you make them twofold more a child of hell than yourself. Jesus was very strong about that. And so it's a wounding sword. It wounds pride. It wounds pride in, in false religion. And it wounds confidence in material things. The Lord said, What shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? And so if you build up all kinds of wealth around you and you've got lands and buildings and bank accounts and all of this stuff, you've got all kinds of money and you think you're set. You're just like the rich man who fared sumptuously every day. He came to the end of his life and he lifted up his eyes in hell, in torment. You see, the word of God wounds your dependence upon material things. And God says, if you have everything and lose your own soul, what's going to profit you? And so the Lord, the word of God wounds people in that way. But then I'll, finally, I'd like to say that the sword of the Lord is a, a winning sword. It's a winning sword. You see, this is the sword. This is the sword of the Lord. This is the word of God. This is the sword of the Spirit. And it's a winning, winning sword. This sword right here won for me a victory several years ago. I was 22 years old. I was a lost church member. 
I was a lost preacher. And I trusted Jesus finally as my personal Savior, depending upon Him and not on me. And the Lord won the victory that day, and He saved my soul. He won for me forgiveness. He won for me reconciliation. He won for me justification. He won for me glorification, which is promised someday I'm going to have a brand new body. He won for me heaven. And I'm going to go to heaven someday. This is a, a winning sword. Because it wins salvation for people who trust, trust him as their savior. It also is a winning sword because it defeats the devil. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was, was in a conflict with the devil in the wilderness. And the Bible says the devil came at him with all kinds of things. And the Lord said three times, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. He confronted the devil with the sword, the word of God. And so the word of God defeats the devil. This passage we just read said we have the spiritual wickedness in high places, rulers of darkness. And how do we defeat them? He says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the Word of God is our sword. It also wins and it overcomes temptation. The Lord says in Psalm 119, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It wins over temptation. How do I win over temptation? Get the word of God in your heart so that you know what God says and you can depend upon it and you can trust it and you won't believe the lie of the devil. And it's the word that wins for you. It builds believers. The Bible says in Acts 20, commend you to God and the word of his grace which is able to build you up. The word of his grace is able to build you up. You come to the Lord as as a, a person who just got saved How do you build yourself up to be a strong Christian? How do you become an effective soldier of the Lord? It takes the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, builds you up, and so it's a winning sword. It also assures you about the future. Jesus said in John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Were not so I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. You won't find that in any other book, but you find it here. And that is, the Lord says, if you trust me as your Savior, you're going to go to heaven. And I want to tell you about that future, and we can learn so much about the future. We can learn about when Jesus comes back and he blows that trumpet, and we're taken with him in the rapture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We can learn about that. We can learn about all that's waiting for us in the book of Revelation. We can learn about uh, the wonderful place called the city, New City, the New Jerusalem. It comes down from heaven, and we can learn about how it's constructed, and the golden streets, and the gates of pearl, and the walls of jasper, and all of those things. We know all about that. How do we know that? Because the Word of God has won for us assurance about the future. We know what the future holds. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to doubt it. Also, the Word of God directs my paths. And while I'm down here waiting for that time when I go home to be with the Lord, The word of God directs my paths. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In a dark world, this is the winning sword because it gives you direction on which way to go and what to do. Psalm 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. How does he do it? Through the word of God. The Bible says in Proverbs 6, For the, the, the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and repro- reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Yes, we have the Word of God. We live in a, 
in a culture based on lies. But we are not defenseless. We have the Word of God, which is the sword of the Lord. And it's a warning sword, it's a wounding sword, and it's a winning sword. And if you have been, have been changed by the culture, if you have been silenced by the culture, you need to pick up the Word of God and say, no more culture influence. I'm not going to listen to the lies. I'm going to go by the book, by the Word of God. I'm going to approve what the Bible approves of. And if you'll do that, it will be a winning message. But you need to pick it up. You need to read it. You need to study it. You need to memorize it. And then you need to fight with it, the Word of God. We should not be ashamed in this day of lies to say, I believe this book. And we should not be afraid to hold it up to the devil and say, the Bible says. We'll be in good company if we do that because that's what Jesus told him. He said, it is written. And so don't be ashamed to stand with the word of God. And I hope that you will as Christians. We live in a dark day. We live in a day that's filled with lies. And I hope that we will know the word of God and use it as our sword, the sword of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for allowing us to see the importance of the Word of God. Lord, I know that there's so much going on today, and there's so many lies being told. I pray that we as Christians will be unashamed to say, I still believe the book. Oh yeah, the world says this, the world justifies that, but I still believe the book. And I will stand on what it says regardless. And Lord, I know we'll not be ashamed to do that if we just trust you because in the end we will win and you will win and the enemy will lose. Help us, Lord, to be people of the book. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.